Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Ron Spomer Outdoors Podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. And if you're listening on some podcasts, thank you again. We really appreciate it. This is another question and answer. And the team has assembled the questions, and I get to see if I know any answers. Remember, I could always get this stuff wrong. So be on the lookout and correct Ron. What do we have here? Mm, Scott says, I heard that a Cape Buffalo was taken with a Savage 22 high power by Teddy Roosevelt. Could that be proven? <laughs> 22 high power. Let's talk about that first before we talk about Roosevelt shooting a, a Buffalo with one. The 22 Savage high power was a kind of an unusual 22, one of the first ones, early ones, a center fire. And it didn't shoot a 0.224 inch diameter bullet the way all of our 22 center fires do. It shot a 0.228 bullet. And it was hyped as a really high velocity cartridge of its day. Savage did a great job with that. I think Charles Newton created the cartridge. Um, and it got a lot of um marketing press. If you think we do hype in our marketing today, back in those days, they were saying that this imp was capable of taking pretty much anything. And they took it to India and shot a man-eating tiger with it. <laughs> I think somebody shot, I don't know, a buffalo or a, uh, maybe a polar bear with it, all kinds of crazy stuff at any rate, which was sort of silly and a little bit irresponsible perhaps using a tiny bullet like that. I forgot what the velocity of that thing was. It wasn't all that great, probably 3,000 feet per second, maybe a little bit more than that. But did Teddy Roosevelt use one on his Africa expedition to shoot a Cape Buffalo? No. Unless there's some information I have never seen before. I have never read that he had a 22 high power on that expedition. Maybe I'm wrong. I've never read that he shot a buffalo with one. Maybe I'm wrong. But I do know that his expedition went from 1909, and I think they got back in 1910. So it was about a year. And Savage introduced the 22 high power in 20, in uh, 1912. Two years different. So it's pretty tough for him to use it unless he had a prototype. So I think the answer to that one, Scott, is no. But boy, just the fact that somebody shot a tiger with one, that's pretty crazy. All right, what do we have here? Ah, Jake asks, I'm going on my first ever pronghorn hunt. Congratulations, you are going to love it. Uh, do I take my 270 Winchester or 243 Winchester? Both are Model 70 Winchesters and they both shoot fantastic. That style is great. You know what I would do if I were you? I'd take them both. If you're driving, why not? Got to back up just in case. Um, but as for which one is the better pronghorn option, 
toss-up, really. The 270 will deliver more energy downrange, but the trajectories on the two are about the same. It's just that the 243 starts to run out of gas a little sooner. But, gee, I've taken pronghorns with a 243 at 300 yards, maybe a little farther, no problem. Pretty light animal, light-skinned. Put the bullet in the right place, you're going to do the job. So either one of them will do just fine. Um, now, it is often windy out in the plains with a deer and the antelope play, shall we say. So you might want to take advantage of a little bit higher BC bullet to reduce your wind deflection. You'll get that from the uh, 270. So play around with your ballistics, read some charts and get it all figured out first. But, you know, if you go with the 243 and one of the lighter bullets, um, 80 grains, 85 grains, and get a real high BC bullet. It's not going to be as good as the 270 high BC bullet, but you'll be able to drive it faster and it might compensate. I don't know. Um, but gosh, either one of them are great pronghorn rounds. This is somebody called Mr. Skeptical, and he's a little bit skeptical about shooting a 280 Acme improved out of a regular 280 Remington. So, <laughs> I'm glad you're skeptical because it wouldn't be good. Here's the deal. The 280 Remington is a commercial cartridge. came out in 58, I believe, 1958. And uh, it is the .30-06, neck down to 7 millimeter, 280. And it was never as popular as it could have been or should have been. Really, it was a great round. It fell right in between the performance of a 270 Winchester, of course, and the .30-06. 30-06 neck down to 28, why not? You get to shoot all the 7-millimeter bullets, including the really big heavy ones, uh, 175 grainers at that time. And uh, it does a great job, but Remington made the mistake of chambering it not in their bolt-action rifle. Uh, they didn't have the model 700s out yet. That didn't come out until 1962. So in 58, they would have been putting it into their pump-action I think, what did they have? A pump action and an auto loader? At any rate, they loaded it down a bit for those actions and never quite lived up to what it could have been if they would have chambered it immediately in their 722 or 721. I forget which one was a short action, which was a long action. But those were the two Remington actions that almost were Model 700s. To make the Model 700, they improved the 721, 722, and... That became the 700, just not a lot of difference um, between those two, but they didn't chamber it in that one, so it, it suffered until they did, and by then it was a little too late. It was a crazy thing. They changed the name of it to the 7mm uh, Remington Express for a while, and that confused the heck out of everybody, because when they did that, they already had the 7rem mag out, and well, 7rem Express, that sounds like the 7rem mag, so people would buy the wrong ammo for the right rifle. <laughs> oh, geez. They went back to the 280. For a while there, they even considered calling it the 7mm Ot 6, which would have been probably a pretty good option from the start. But they made a few cartridges with a head stamp on it, and they decided this is not a good idea. Let's just go back to 280 Remington. So if anyone finds a cartridge with that head stamp, 7Ot uh, 6 on it, whew, you got a collector's item there. Now, now to your actual question about the 280 AI. The 280 AI is the 280 Ackley Improved. So that's the 280 Remington case with the uh, walls straightened out a little bit and the shoulder sharpened to 40 degrees and pushed forward a little bit. Increases the powder capacity, reduces case stretching during reloading and such. And it adds about 100 feet per second velocity to the bullets. 
So a lot of people like that. They claim it's almost a 7 rem mag and you're still running it through the little 280 action kind of a deal. So you can shoot the 280 Remington in the 280 AI chamber, but not vice versa because the 280 AI was just a little bit too big to fit in that tighter chamber of the 280, not vice versa. So I take it back. The head spacing on that is the same and it head spaces on the shoulder. Just give you an example here. I've got a 270. So the shoulder will do the head spacing and with a 40 degree shoulder on that, that's really sharp. I don't think I have a 40 degree shoulder or anything here to show you. And if you're listening to a podcast, you can't see it anyway, but just think of a, a flatter shoulder, sharper shoulder on, on the AI cartridge. So it's not going to fit in the 280. But the sloped cartridge shoulder will fit and then when you fire it that brass will flow out to fit the new chamber that's how i make my brass for a 280 ai i take a 280 i fired it in my 280 ai chamber and now i have my brass blown out to the new shape but you can't go vice versa because it just won't fit okay this is ashley do you think the 270 is a good starter gun and i'm sure she's thinking or he's thinking 270 winchester and I do think it's a pretty good starter gun, even for young, small frame shooters, because it really doesn't have that much recoil. A lot of people say, oh, my gosh, I can't stand the brutal recoil of the 270, and I have to roll my eyes, shake my head. Uh, it just does not have bad recoil. Um, you know, it's a little more than a 243, but come on. It's not a, a 375 H&H, but it shoots very flat, and... Um, and it comes in bullet sizes that are just about perfect for what most of us hunt. 130 to 140 grain bullets for deer and pronghorn and all animals of that size. Great for sheep, obviously. Jack O'Connor made it famous as a sheep cartridge because it shoots so flat. Um, and then you can put 150 grain bullets in. And if you go to the controlled expansion 150 grains, you can get some incredible penetration out of those. And that's all you really need for the really big stuff. Elk, moose. I think O'Connor even shot brown bear with it. So it's a versatile cartridge. It's, it's, it's just a lot more effective on bigger animals than a lot of people think. But it's most famous as a deer cartridge, especially mule deer. Mule deer and sheep, and mountain goats and all that stuff. Yeah, pretty hard to beat. Flat shooter and gosh, there's a lot of rifles chambered for it. Probably always will be. So yes, I think it's a good starter. Now, if you've got someone who's a little more sensitive to recoil, you want to start them up on something smaller, I would go down to that 243 class of cartridge. And the 6.5 Creedmoor would fit in there too. Um, anything roughly that size, something pushing 100 to 140 grain bullet at around 2,700 to 3,000 feet per second. Not a lot different from a 270, but a little less recoil. All right, good question. Ah, now this gentleman or woman, our Eco's 45. <laughs> our Eco 45 asks, what do you think about the new 7mm PRC? I have answered this a few times before on these, and it's uh, real popular right now. So the question just keeps getting asked. And my answer, having never hunted with one or even shot one yet, or even seen one, is that I think it's going to be in the same class as the 6.5 PRC and the 300 PRC, Hornady is developing all of these to optimize long-range precision shooting. I don't think it's going to set the world on fire because it's entering a crowded field. There are just so many 7 millimeters already out there. And the latest, most popular new one is the 28 Nosler, from what I can tell. And 
That's got all kind of the bells and whistles. It's on a 30-06 length cartridge case, so there's no belted magnum. There's no extra long magnum need, yet your velocities are way up there. I think it shoots faster than the uh, the STW, and the 7mm STW is a full-length magnum case. So that, I think, the 7mm PRC is going to be fighting against the 28 Nosler, and, of course, the good old 7rem mag and the rum and the, S, uh, the WSM Winchesters, all of these different 28s and 7 millimeters out there, going to give it a run for the money. But the long-range precision shooters, I think they might find it easier to get ammunition for, load for, um, and get rifles chambered in the PRC rather than having to go custom with some of their, um, well, their improved versions of the SOM. That 7 millimeter short-action ultra-magnum cartridge is real popular with the long-range precision shooters, but they usually... Fixed it up a little bit, flattened the shoulder out, strength lengthen it, and different things to to make it just what they want for their precision rifles. And I think this seven millimeter PRC is sort of factory done for you. We will see exactly how it plays. Okay, Frank. Frank asked Ron, "What bullet should be used on Buffalo? The one that hits it in the right place?" <laughs> no, that I'm just joking. The bullet to be used on Buffalo comes down to two. Well, it used to come down to two choices. A solid or a soft point. See, the problem with soft points in the old days were they were essentially cup and core bullets. And soft point, yeah, the lead exposed at the tip was soft and the lead inside was soft. But the biggest problem with soft points was they sometimes broke apart. They quite often broke apart. I mean, I've seen it on deer and even on smaller animals where a soft point will break apart because it's cup and core. And the gilding metal jacket, the cup, will separate from the core, which is the lead cable that's pushed down inside of the cup, and then they're just squeezed together, swaged to make that bullet. Well, you get one like that on the tough hide muscle and bone of a buffalo, and if it goes to pieces, it might not reach the lungs and the heart. So there you've got a wounded buffalo coming over to have a discussion with you that you don't want to have. So they use solids because the solid, well, it's only going to make a small hole, but it is going to go and go and go. The problem with go and go and go is if you don't go to exactly the right place, there's not a lot of damage around that narrow channel, which is one of the reasons they like big bores, 45s and 500s and 600s and 700s, wide bullets to make a big hole when you're shooting a solid. Well, these days, we have some great controlled expansion bullets that sort of do both at the same time. And I first heard of this when I took a Barnes TSX bullet over there in a 458 lot, 400 grain bullet, 500, 500 grain bullet, shooting a buffalo. And the PH, the guide, they call them professional hunters over there, asked me what I was using. I told him and showed him and he said, ah, perfect. It's a soft point and it's solid in one bullet. And that's the way they work. The nose expands reliably, um, probably to one and a half, almost two times the original the original diameter. But the shank is long behind that, and it stays in one piece generally. You sometimes will shave a pedal or two off against the hard bone. But you will retain about 90 to 100% of that bullet's mass. And that means it's going to continue. It's got great momentum, and it keeps that momentum as it goes through all that tough tissue. And a one-shot kill on the buffalo with that thing. So that is kind of the way to go. But there's what I would look at 
on, on Buffalo. Some kind of a controlled expansion bullet is going to stay in one piece. So another really famous, well-appreciated bullet over there for Buffalo is the Swift A-frame. That's kind of a beefed-up partition bullet. The Nosler partition, of course, has that wall in the center of the bullet to keep the uh, shank lead from expanding and blowing out the way the nose can. Well, Swift's is even thicker jacket than that, so they really ramped it up. That's a good deep penetrator. And then what's another one? Oh, ah, trophy bonded bear claw. Federal took those over and they're making those now. And they've got some adaptations of it where they've improved it a little bit. So you might want to check in exactly what they're all doing with the uh, with that good old bullet. Those are some famous Buffalo rounds. Um, I think, yeah, there's probably a few more out there. But the basic idea, keep that bullet in one piece. All right. Good question, Frank. Hey, and good luck if you're going over there to challenge a buffalo. <laughs> Steven asks, Caramojo Bell killed about 800 elephants, that's true, with a 275 Rigby, that's true, which was England's name for the 757 Mauser, that's true, this guy knows his stuff. So why don't you hunt water buffalo with a 270 WSM? Aha, I have a hunch that Stefan, or Stephen, however he pronounces it, Saw my video in which we talked about shooting buffalo at the 270 WSM. That was my Scott Grange interview video. Funny guy. You guys want to catch that one. <laughs> Scott Grange and I talking about some of the hunts that we did over the years. And we were both in Australia hunting buffalo with a 270 WSM right after they came out or the very year they came out. And we were taking buffalo quite cleanly with a 270 WSM. So I suspect Stefan uh, heard that. And said, well, sure, why not? And if they were taking Buffalo with the 275 Rigby, which is a 757 Mauser, which is a lot weaker than the 270 WSM, why wouldn't you shoot water Buffalo successfully with a 270 WSM? And we did. <laughs> Does that mean it's ideal? I don't know. I Probably not. But what's ideal? You know, some people say, oh, gosh, you can't use anything less than a 458 Win Mag or a 500 Nitro Express or whatever their idea of an ideal is. And then some will say, well, I tried a, a lesser one, one and this buffalo didn't die instantly, so that's no good. Well, I mean, I've shot small animals with really big cartridges that were way oversized for that particular beast and didn't kill them immediately. Didn't really react any differently than if I had a shot it with a 243 or something. Doesn't mean it wasn't an effective round, et cetera, et cetera. Things happen out there. You can't count on everything to go like clockwork. All right, Cell Rod 55. Ron, I was seriously looking into buying a reloading press kit. That would be the, the press and the scales and all the little pieces you need to get started in hand loading. Get them in a kit. And he said, I found some great prices on those kits, but I couldn't find powder or primer, so I didn't buy the kit. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> this is a big problem these days. Now I think that I can find the powder and the primer. Well, then I'll buy the press if I can. Is there a best all-round powder that covers a broad range of reloading? Oh, boy. That's a good question. Yeah, but there are several. That's the problem. What you want to look for in powders, and the best way to do this is with the reloading guides, the manuals, the handbooks of reloading, in which they have all the recipes for all the cartridges. Pick your cartridges, the ones you hope to load for, plan to load for, and then look down the list on three or so of these reloading manuals and see if that same powder is being 
used in most of those. That's the way to figure out which one's going to be most versatile for you. Now, just off the top of my head, I'm going to say a medium burning rate powder is going to handle a lot of stuff. Maybe I should clarify what I mean by this. Powders are ranked by the rate at which they burn. You can have a fast burning powder or a slow burning powder. And the idea is if you're kicking out a pretty light bullet, you can have a fast burning powder and that will reach its high pressure quickly and drive that bullet out really fast without getting excessive chamber pressures because the bullet doesn't have a lot of inertia to overcome. Uh, you know, a little 40, 50 grain bullet from a 22 center fire, you can get that thing started really quickly. Think about pushing a truck versus a kid in a wagon. It's a lot easier to give a little bit of a shove to a wagon. You got to give a lot of shove to the truck. But once that truck gets going, it's easy to keep it going as you just keep your pressure going. So with the heavier bullets, even in the same cartridge, let's say we've got that 22 and we shot a 40 grain bullet with a fast burning powder. Now we're going to step up to a 55 grain bullet or even a 75 grain bullet. That's a lot more weight and a lot more inertia to overcome. That fast burning powder expands critically and completely while the bullet is just hitting the rifling and bam, not only do you have the weight of the bullet that you have to get moving, but now you've got to overcome the friction of it engraving as it goes down the rifling, your pressure spikes and there you could have something break. <laughs> so they use a slower burning powder balanced to that need. And that's where you have fast powders, medium powders, and slow powders. And there are literally dozens of those and tiny little differences amongst them. So you go up to scale. Are you going to be shooting really big, heavy bullets that require a slow burning powder or a lot of kind of average weight bullets that could use the middle or some really light ones that could use a fast burning powder? There's where you want to start getting your ideas. And don't think that like if it's a 458 throwing a 500 grain bullet, you need, you need to have just uh, the heaviest powder. Sometimes that's not true because you could put a 300 grain bullet on there instead of a 500 grain bullet. And then you need a little bit faster burning powder perhaps. So study those recipes on those reloading manuals. And then you're going to see that, yeah, kind of in the middle of the pack of the faster burning powders, there's one that seems to be pretty popular. And the same with the middle and the same with the upper end. You could probably get three powders and do almost all of your hand loading with those. Now, don't worry about maximum accuracy with a particular powder and a particular cartridge, et cetera, et cetera. That's a very, very subtle difference. And I don't think it's worth fiddling with for hunting, maybe for target shooting. Too many guys, hobbyists who hand load, I think, spend a lot of time trying different powders to drive the same bullet from the same cartridge, hoping they're going to find some super accuracy. I think that time and money is better spent on finding a well-balanced bullet that your rifle likes and or just the right load of powder that gives it the, the right oscillations and vibrations so it leaves your barrel consistent, consistently and when the barrel's not vibrating at all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things to work on that are way more important to accuracy than the powder. So one other thing you want to look at in powder, though, is consistency, temperature insensitivity. Some powders are pretty sensitive to temperatures. So if you shoot them in extreme heat and get a certain pressure and velocity, wow, you're set to go. And then you hunt where the temperature's below zero and you've got a 60 degree difference, 70 degree difference in your temperatures. That powder could be a lot slower 
develop less pressures and then your velocity goes down and now you don't have the trajectory that you expect to have. There are some powders that are less sensitive and they will advertise them as such. So you might want to consider that with your loading too. Um, that's right off the top of my head where I can think about powders. So good luck picking those out, but definitely get those hand loading guides and study them to figure out which powders get get covered quite a bit because there's a lot of great ones out there in the middle of the road that'll work for you on a lot of different cartridges. Great question, Selrod and Stefan and Frank and everyone else. I really appreciate that. I look like I'm at the end of the line here again. So I want to thank you all for listening in on this podcast. And if you watched it on YouTube, sorry about what I look like. Can't be helped. <laughs> we really appreciate the support, guys. Send in your questions. Uh, you can go see my YouTubes and respond to the comment section there. You can go to the ronspomeroutdoors.com website, read the blogs, and respond there. And if I got anything wrong, especially on some critical data here, do write in and straighten me out and I will report it next time. I don't mind admitting that I screwed something up. That is better than letting you think I got it right and you screw it up. So until next time, this is Ron Spomer. Hunt honest and shoot straight. Fisher, where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.